Daniel is responding to Belshazzar. Belshazzar has seen the handwriting on the wall, and he could not have made it out himself in its meaning. It was understandable in its words. They could read the words, but they didn't know its meaning, and no one else could tell him its meaning as well. And so Daniel's brought before him, and now Daniel is there giving the meaning of these things to Belshazzar. O king, Daniel said, the Most High God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he spared alive, and whomever he wished, he elevated, and whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beasts and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind, that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, and even though you knew all this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines, have been drinking wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand, but the God in whose hand are your life and breath and all your ways you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out, now this is the inscription that was written out, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Upharsin. This is the interpretation of the message, Mene. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it, Tekel or Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient, Paris. Paris is the, the singular form of that, that word, upharsin, is my understanding. And, and, and so you see Daniel use it in that form here. Verse 28, Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. This is a sobering chapter of scripture. 
brings us to a place to take some stock and thought in what is happening in the life of Belshazzar. This morning we want to recognize two main themes. One, Belshazzar learned by proclamation his sin of defamation. Belshazzar learned by proclamation his sin of defamation. And number two, Belshazzar learned by proclamation his sin and sentence. He learned by proclamation his sin and sentence. You must remember that as Belshazzar is seeing this handwriting on the wall, it's because he's gathered all of these several thousand people together for this big party. And they're uh, partying the night away as uh, Darius and really the Babylonian Empire is coming to an end and Darius is marching on the city. He's thinking about himself and making merry before the end of his time. And he sees the handwriting on the wall and he can't figure out what it means exactly. He can read the words. The words are legible, known words to them, but they can't read them in understanding and meaning as to its interpretation. Why these four words? And one of them is repeated he calls in all these conjurers again and they can't tell him the queen comes in with all the hubbub and says Daniel there's somebody here named Daniel who he's been around for a while and we know of him and he can interpret this and so he brings Daniel in Daniel gives this interpretation but before he gives the interpretation of the meaning of the words By proclamation, he tells Belshazzar of his sin. And it's a sin of defamation against God. Under number one, Belshazzar learned by proclamation his sin of defamation. I want to give three main thoughts. Verses 18 through 21, Daniel reminded him, reminded Belshazzar of God's mercy to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 18, O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Now the word father there, um, we've noted that um, Belshazzar is is not directly related by blood. Uh, The word father has kind of a, uh, a broader context to it here. And we can understand that because that happens to us as well. When we speak of the forefathers of our country, well, not, we're not all blood related to all of those people who are the forefathers of our country. Uh, when we speak of the, the early church fathers, I'm not blood related to Augustine, at least not that I know of. That'd be pretty cool, though. Um, you know, I'm, we think about even in the context of the whole of the Bible, the covenantal sense of calling Abraham our father, as Paul tells us that believers can do in his letter to the Romans. Well, I don't know that I've got this direct blood relation 
uh, to Abraham that I could make out. If it, if it is there, it's in the infinitesimal decimal places way off somewhere. So we use that term ourselves with a broader context. And Daniel does that here. Daniel knows of Nabonidus, uh, Belshazzar's father, and he knows of the very context of Belshazzar's life and how he's come to the throne. But this is often how kings were referred to and their line was referred to in the sense of fathers and grandfathers and so forth. He's just simply noting here that there was mercy to rulers before you and specifically a ruler you know of. And it's Nebuchadnezzar. And he recounts everything that happened to Nebuchadnezzar and reminds Belshazzar. Here's all the things that happened. Nebuchadnezzar was put in this place at this time. He was given this authority. He had this ability. And he did not humble himself, so he was deposed. And God put him down. He's reminded here of everything that happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But the point of that is to be a rebuke to Belshazzar. Letter B under number one, Daniel rebuked him like Nathan admonished David. In verse 22a, two words. He looks at Belshazzar and he says, yet you, yet you. Now, take some gumption to say that to a king. But we all know it takes some gumption sometimes to say that to anyone. Right? It's hard sometimes to look at anyone and to say, you, you did it. And you know you did it. Yet Daniel, by God's grace, speaks plainly to Belshazzar. And he says, yet you. Yet you. Well, thirdly here, Daniel explained how he defamed the name of the Lord. Daniel explained how he defamed the name of the Lord. Verses 22 and 23, Daniel makes this very plain. He says, yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. But you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. Three thoughts here. He's pointing out to Belshazzar not only the issues of his own soul, but he says you had knowledge of God and his works. See, no man is without excuse. Paul's reasoning is laid out to us in Romans, and yet Daniel, in a simpler form, is saying to Belshazzar, you were without excuse. You knew of Nebuchadnezzar. You knew 
of the things that had gone on. I didn't recount to you something here that you had no knowledge of. The last phrase of verse 22, he says, even though you knew all this. The this is referring to all the information about Nebuchadnezzar. How would Belshazzar have been aware of Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation? One writer says, certainly the story would have been known. But evidence exists that indicates that Belshazzar may have seen these events firsthand. Belshazzar served as chief officer during the administration of King Nereglisser in 560 B.C. And according to Babylonian historical text, this means that the king was old enough to fill a high position in government only two years after Nebuchadnezzar's death in 562 B.C. The writer goes on and he says, Since Nabonidus was an official in Nebuchadnezzar's administration, Belshazzar would have lived in Babylon and would have observed personally the last years of the great king's reign. There's a historical sense where we have to understand that Daniel's words here, even though you knew all this, is not as though he's just putting some trite phrase out. He's saying to Belshazzar, you are condemned because you had knowledge. You weren't left without any knowledge. You saw Nebuchadnezzar's life. You knew something about what went on and, and the end of his reign and time and all of the craziness that happened. You had enough knowledge to really question. Well, not only did he have knowledge of God and his works in defaming the name of the Lord, but he just didn't humble his heart according to the text. Daniel just tells him that you have not humbled your heart in verse 22. You just haven't bowed before the one true living God. You've worshipped all types of idols of wood and stone. And you've even done it on this night. Here's been your practice. Is to worship the idols made of wood and stone and metal. And you've even done it on this night. This is how you defame the name of the Lord. And then thirdly, Daniel says that he exalted himself against the Lord. Here's even a greater issue. It's one thing to not humble yourself. It's another thing to be active in exalting yourself above the Lord. And in the start of verse 23, Daniel says, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. Now he gives this instance of him exalting himself above the Lord of heaven. And it comes in two phrases or two ideas. It's using the Lord's commanded vessels for himself. These are those commanded vessels that were brought in from the temple that were only meant to be used in temple worship. God regulates his worship how he desires for his people to worship them. He tells them, 
this is how you worship me. And these vessels were those things that God had commanded to be made and used in worship of him in the temple. And now Belshazzar takes them and uses them for his party just to drink the wine and to have it in his own way. And that's not even the worst part of it. He then, in the course of his party, uses those vessels and the ability to drink that wine and be merry for himself and exalt himself that he now uses them in the very idol worship itself. He exalts himself against the Lord. I want to bring a question to our mind. What are things of this world that we use to exalt against the Lord? Sometimes, even for us as professing believers, what are things that we misuse of God's giving to put ourselves above the Lord? Well, secondly, this morning, Belshazzar learned by proclamation his sin and sentence. As explained previously, one writer notes these Aramaic Aramaic words probably were recognized by their significance. There was some mystery to it, but the mystery was not in the words Daniel, after giving the sin of defamation in verse 35, he says, excuse me, in verse 24 of chapter 5, he says, Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription. So he gave him the words, and in a way, they were going, yeah, we, we can read the words, we recognize what this writing is as what the words are. We even know what they mean. But we don't know the interpretation of the meaning and how they're to be applied. In a sense here, just in a practical way, you, you see Daniel is, is preaching here. He's taking what are plain words... And he's interpreting those words according to God's purpose so that those words will be understood rightly by the hearers. So Daniel takes the words, reads the words. I've heard these words pronounced several different ways. I don't know uh, Aramaic. Um, probably not enough time left in my life to learn it um, I, I still work on my my Hebrew and my Greek quite readily but I probably will not take up Aramaic anytime soon so if you hear someone pronounce them differently than I do that's okay they may be right but this first word is something that Daniel puts before them and he gives the word mene and it's given twice 
Firstly, under number two, we need to note what Daniel is saying to Belshazzar. His days were numbered and his number was up. His days were numbered and his number was up. This word mene signifies that Belshazzar's evil rule and his life would soon be over. One writer noted. Another writer says Mene was written twice to stress that the divine decision was certain of fulfillment. The word Mene is just the word numbered. Numbered. And Daniel describes not only the definition of the word, but he tells him plainly in verse 26 God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. It's been numbered. This also goes back to a recognition where Daniel says plainly that A, Nebuchadnezzar had been deposed, and then he also says to Belshazzar, you need to recognize that God sets over the kingdoms whoever he wishes. that reminder of a few weeks ago of Acts 17 of Paul's sermon God numbers your days his days were numbered and his number was up letter B his actions were weighed and his life was lacking his actions were weighed and his life was lacking. The word tekel or tekel is the word way. W-E-I-G-H. To weigh something. The Egyptians, according to one writer, thought that Osiris weighed the actions of the dead in a literal balance. Osiris was one of the, the gods of, of the Egyptians for uh, centuries. And they thought that he, he would actually weigh the, the souls of people in a literal balance as to whether it was a good soul or a bad soul. It was the idea of weighing it. And if it um, you know, was, was weighted with goodness, it might pass, you know, something, something of that nature. This writer goes on and says the Babylonians may have had the same notion, which would give a peculiar appropriateness to the image here used. This idea of Belshazzar being weighed, he's being numbered, he's being weighed. It's the idea of it's, it's found wanting. That's what the word indicates. So his actions were weighed, his life was weighed, or his actions were weighed, and his life was lacking. It reminded me of the psalmist saying, men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath.
Belshazzar had been weighed, and before God, he was too light. There was nothing there. Nothing there. It ought to remind us of the weight of God's holiness before Isaiah. Isaiah says, woe to me, I'm done. It's, it's as though I, 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 it's just too much. The, the holiness of God is too much. I, I, I can't stand proudly before him and look around and exalt myself. It's just too much. I'm undone. Belshazzar had lived a life where he had exalted himself always lifting himself up as though he had weight. He had been weighed. And it was just too light. There was nothing there. The substance was of nothing. We have to note that each one of these words is interpreted. It's interpreted in a way that not only does he give him the meaning of the word, which they would have known, but Daniel supplies in the interpretation by God's grace the objectivity of this interpretation. As one pastor noted, he supplied each subject to go along with the word. When I was thinking about that, I thought it might be rendered this way. God numbered your days. You were weighed and found lacking, and therefore your kingdom will be divided. What brings us to the third word and a third thought? His rule and reign were over and his kingdom was divided and destroyed. His rule and reign were over and his kingdom was divided and destroyed. This third word, Upharsin, or in singular form, Paris, Daniel says, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Now, I don't think Daniel here is trying to make some differentiation between necessarily the Medes and the Persians, he's saying you need to understand the whole of the kingdom is not just going to be handed over to someone else, but it's going to be divided up and there'll be no more recognition of the Babylonian kingdom. What people would have looked at and said, well, that's a part of Babylon. No, it's going to be so divided that the Babylonian kingdom is destroyed. word that we think of here divided is not just simply division and something being divided and it's put into two parts no it's divided time and time again to where it's no longer recognizable as that which it once was One writer, Keel, he remarks that the meaning of this word is not that the kingdom was to be divided into two equal parts and the one part given to the Medes and the other to the Persian, Persians. 
but that the kingdom was to be divided into pieces, destroyed, and dissolved. You have to know this is a serious sentence that is brought on Belshazzar. He had reigned for probably about a decade as his father had been put off into the relocation program because he really wanted to to worship the moon god, Sin or Sheen. He he had kind of gone his own little way and he is relocated. And now here Belshazzar had reigned for quite some time. He was really the second in command, but he really was the ruler. And now all of his rule is being brought to a very abrupt end. And Daniel is standing before him and he's saying, here's the meanings of the word. And the emphasis, mene, mene, numbered, numbered, weighed and divided. God has numbered you. And your days have been numbered. And your life has been weighed and found lacking. And everything you have will be divided and destroyed. If it couldn't get any sadder, Belshazzar, who didn't think much of the Jews because he had given his word after the pronouncement, He clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck. Even though Daniel in verse 17 had said, I don't need all that. Keep your stuff. We see a king left to give one more pronouncement. And he proclaims Daniel to be the third ruler in the kingdom. And then in verse 30, that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. Wow. Leads us to four observations. Number one, God's pronouncements are weighted with holiness, truth, and justice. God's pronouncements are weighted with holiness, truth, and justice. The holiness of God is a weighty, weighty matter. It's why the salvation of sinners by God's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone is so important. Because there's not one of us that could stand before God We're already numbered and left to ourselves. We're lacking the weight. We're not holy. We're just not holy. We're not perfect. There's no perfection in us. We are by nature sinners. And when God makes his pronouncements, they are weighted with his holiness. They're also weighted with his truth. Because God is holy, he can do nothing 
but truth. He can speak nothing but truth. And you recognize here if Belshazzar had something to say after this pronouncement much more than what is recorded, we're not given that information. But quite frankly, I would imagine he knew these things to be true. He knew what his life had been and he had already resigned himself to it. This is why he was partying all night. Because even in his last party, he was not willing to humble himself before God. It was about him and him alone, even though Darius was marching on the city. God in holiness spoke truth about him and against him. And God's pronouncements are weighted with holiness, truth, and justice. Whatever the Lord does is good and right, and he brought justice that night, and no one can question his justice. No one can question his justice. That same night, Belshazzar was slain. It ought to be a sobering reminder to us that when we are dealing with the God of the Bible, we are not dealing with a being who we can play lightly with him, for we're not weighted enough to do it. Too many people throw the idea of God around in common conversation and culture, or the idea of faith around in common conversation and culture and have little idea of the weightiness and the holiness of God, his truth and his justice. The same Christ who came and as we talked about in Bible study, visibly in reality showed his love for his people and that he lived perfectly and he died a sinner's death. That kind of love shown towards sinners ought to in one sense amaze us. And yet this is the same son who will come again and he will come in judgment. The judgment his father granted him. It's a very weighty matter to consider the being of God because the weightiness of it deals with the very existence of our being. He is, and he will never change. No one will change him. No one will do away with him. No one will thwart his ways. No one will take him out of his purposes. And yet every one of us has been numbered by him. 
Number two, God's pronouncements are made with clarity to those whom he wills. God's pronouncements are made with clarity to those whom he wills. you think about two things sometimes God gives clarity in the very word itself there are plenty of things in God's word that are very plain and of themselves and we can understand them and we can read them and see the plainness of them that makes us responsible other times God uses vessels of his choice to provide clarity Sometimes it's a person like Daniel. Sometimes it's a donkey. But for all of us that have been under the hearing of the word, and the word has been made clear to us, do we understand that the word even being read with clearness or clarity and the word being preached or taught with clarity puts us under its very understanding. What one of us has not really thought carefully about how the word is dealing with our souls and question for a moment who am I what am I doing and where are my allegiances do you love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul your mind and your strength and look to love your neighbor as yourself Some of you this morning have sat in this building for years. Young people, you've been brought up in the hearing of the word of God. Have you bowed your knee to him? To repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ alone to save you from the truth of your sin? Have you sought him while he's near? There are places you're still holding on to your own desires. God has made his word clear on many occasions. We would do well to heed it. Thirdly, God ultimately provides all that his people need. Daniel didn't need the gifts of Belshazzar. He didn't need the commendations of the king. Ultimately, Daniel accepted them because that is what happened in the last moment. But by Daniel accepting them, he was not in any way saying, I'm taking this because I need it. 
He had already proclaimed plainly the only need that he had was to follow the truth of God in the word that God had given to his people. And there's no difference for us today. Maybe in some way we might be granted gifts by those around us. Or maybe there's an unconverted person who's gracious enough to help us or do something for us. We shouldn't spurn those things. We ought to be thankful for them. And yet at the same time, at the end of the day, we recognize as Daniel did. Ultimately, even if it came through an unconverted person, God met my need. And no one else met it but him alone. God will meet the needs of his people. Fourthly and lastly, God's patience is remarkable and beyond comprehension. God's patience is remarkable and beyond comprehension. I want you to think about it for a minute. All the years of Belshazzar's life, he had some knowledge, according to the text, of what had gone on with Nebuchadnezzar. God had been patient with him time and time and time again, and yet Belshazzar would never humble his heart before the Lord. Belshazzar went after what he wanted, what he desired, what he thought was best. And he did it willingly, of his own will. The, the very nature of his, his sinfulness, he did it willingly. That's what he wanted. And yet God was patient all along the way. Because really... At the very first sin of any person, God could bring judgment. And really, if we want to get to the technicality, by the very nature of the conception of any human, God could bring judgment. Because we are conceived in our mother's womb as sinners. We are born sinners by nature. And if God in his holiness weighed us in that moment, we could be judged. And that judgment would be right and good and just. God's patience is remarkable in that any human is ever born and God allows them to live. That's how patient he is. Because every human that's born is a rebel against him. Every human that's born comes into this world rebelling against God by the very heart inside of them. And they want to kick against him and say, no, no, I'm in charge. It's me. I'm the one. You're not it, God. We give no recognition that God made us, that God gave us this life. We want to kick against it time and time again. I want what I want. I want it now. I want it today. Leave me alone. God has every right to judge right then and there. But he does not in his patience. It's remarkable. It's beyond comprehension. How many of us would have taken someone who did something against us and in one moment we would dispose of them to get them out of our way? I will be done with you, you pest who does not do what I want you to do. you and I could live one second born as rebels against him the ones 
he created. He formed us. From the very being of God, he is accountable to no one. And being accountable to no one means he could have disposed of us as creatures like that. But he has shown patience. Great patience. It's not even a great patience only to those that he would save. It's a great patience to anyone who ever lives. He gives people an opportunity to, to have some enjoyment of his creation even though they hate him. He gives people this opportunity to have an enjoyment of what he gives to the minds of men and women that they might invent good things that could be appreciated and enjoyed and, and lived out and loved. That's how patient he is. Don't we see it? Don't we know it? patience is remarkable and beyond comprehension. Because sometimes God is unpredictable in estimation. Belshazzar thought he could just keep going on and on. And he had been numbered. And his time came. says that same night the ASV says he was suddenly cut off or the Puritans says God chops, chops up an empty life another writer said the road which unconverted people walk has an invisible line across it a line seen by God alone and not by us. The thin boundary between God's patience and his wrath. I think we have to ask ourselves the question. Do we know our days are numbered? Are we too found wanting? Where shall we obtain the weight to tip the scales? It's only found in the holiness of the Son. When you come to the table today, you need to rejoice if you're a believer. Because the weighted holiness of God the Son has tipped the scales. That all who have believed in him shall not perish. Oh, have everlasting life. And if you have not bowed the knee, please 
recognize God's patience with you already. Please recognize his patience with you already. You need to repent of your sin. Turning to Christ. Don't let these thoughts flee your mind today. Don't get up from this worship service and start talking about all this other stuff out there. As if nobody just preached God's word. Don't get in your cars and go home and act like nothing just happened here today. It's not a theater, it's not a movie. It's the worship of God. In the midst of that worship, the word was preached. True enough, by a sinful man. I'm just one of those vessels. And God will do with me as he wishes. He may call me home today, or tomorrow, or two years, or ten years, or fifteen, or twenty. I don't know. But my days are numbered too. And my only hope is to be waited in Christ. Don't leave this place and act like nothing just happened today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've been merciful to us in more ways and more time than we could even imagine. Please deal with our souls according to the truth of your word alone, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that your spirit do your will in our lives, working out and applying the truths of the word unto us. That we would be humbled and we would glory in who your son is and what he did while he was on this earth. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.